This is a this is a humble brag, but I believe I have the most watched guitar lesson video on YouTube. Stories Podcast, your number one show for everything guitar. Hello, guitar geeks. This is Dan. Hi, this is Andy. This is Andy Guitar. Hello. How are you guys doing? Oh, so confusing. So confusing. <laughs> yeah. Andy and Andy. That'll be an interesting episode, guys. <laughs> Dan is kind of an anagram, yeah. I only said guitar as well. Yeah, we are. I only said guitar as well because otherwise no one would know who I am. <laughs> Andy Crowley. It is, yeah, that's pronounced correct as well. A lot of people say Crowley, but it is Crowley. Do you know how long I practiced that? Oh, so I'll get it right first time. Well, bless you. Thank I you very practiced... much. I've been thinking about it a lot, you know, since we were trying to ask you to come on. Um, we're very honored to have you as a guest and uh, as, a, as a person on the podcast. And then I'm like, don't mispronounce his name. It's not the end of the world, I guess, but Andy Guitar is a lot easier. It, it is. Yeah, we screwed up double time with Crowley and I, I, I used to refer to you as Dan guitar instead of Andy guitar, which is even more <laughs> confusing. That's all good. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll be professional here. Uh, it's cool to have you on the episode. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been a, a listener of the first three or four episodes. And like I said to you guys before, the, the banter of you guys before the interview is is the best bit of the podcast that no one no one <laughs> listens to this part so we can say what we want right brilliant <laughs> well so this the interview's already started andy so technically we've missed out on the banter although i did record the pre uh, podcast banter which is probably going to be a, a patreon exclusive if we had a patreon uh-oh <laughs> well those non patreon <laughs> subscribers are really missing out <laughs> they really are <laughs> if anybody wants it just let me know i'll drop box it to you how are you guys? Let me know. Yeah, so I'm all, all good here. Um, yeah, as I was saying before, I'm actually moving house next week. So this is probably the last bit of, well, recording work that I will do in this studio um, or the third bedroom in my terraced house. Let's make it clear. Um, and yeah, that means that I'll probably, well, I'll remember when we did this podcast forever, probably, because I'll be like, oh, yeah, it was when I moved house. Ooh, wow, that's, what an honor. So nice. So nice. <laughs> a whole See, I told you he was nice then. Sorry? I told you he was a nice guy. It's <laughs> yeah. just it's lovely. That Dan is was a, very skeptical. That is a story that <laughs> I would like you to tell, Andy, though. Um, so when we first met at NAM in January. I believe I was led on the floor on a roundabout outside the convention center is that right yep you were on the roundabout i was uh, about to get a taxi and go back to my hotel and lie down in a darkened room for an hour or so um just before the big kind of nam hang and then i saw you and when i literally abandoned my girlfriend and went i'm just gonna say hi to someone for one minute <laughs> like, you know we're going to cab now um, but yeah, I ran over to you and went, hey, how's it going? And you were you were looking like, um, yeah, I'd perhaps cheered you up a little because it looked like Nam was getting on top of you at that point, as it does to us all, I think. 
I met you at my lowest point and it suddenly became one of my highest. I thought, oh my goodness. To uh, to paraphrase what I probably said, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I've been a I can't say fan of yours, but I can say I've, I've you're just like a um, you're like a, a staple part of the guitar community for me in the most positive way. Oh, you know, it's, it's that's lovely. I think the things that you do for the guitar community and the people that that you inspire and people that rely on you in in a way um, is huge. And I, I love your videos. I love your style. I love the way that you cater for the people that you cater for and then at some point they they may leave you but then they come to people like me because they get the you know the, the gear addiction <laughs> um, and hopefully hopefully they stay with you but if they suddenly realize that it's not actually about the notes and the playing of the guitar it's about how many pedals you own it's about do you like gibson or fender it's about all those things <laughs> you know it's you're ab- arguing on the internet you're absolutely right you know um grow the keyboard warriors of gear and uh yeah who's who's better <laughs> no that's amazing but we did shoot um a couple of videos while we're at nam and clearly neither of them made the cut which i find hilarious <laughs> yeah i sent it back to home base and um they were like just no. straight, straight in the bin <laughs> probably straight rightly in the so bin. but they were great fun to film <laughs> what was oh, no your... there is a bit there is a bit where you the camera guy that I was shooting with um, at Nam, uh, he was absolutely starstruck to, to to meet you. I mean, I was I was pretty bowled over, but this is a camera guy who we're on the second year of Nam together, and uh, Arunas, who is the world's most handsome man, he is normally behind the camera, and he just recognised you as the guy who had just started teaching him guitar, and his guitar story is that. We met at the NAM previous, NAM 2019. He didn't know anything about guitars. He wasn't interested. There was nothing in his blood or anything. He was just doing a job of, of, of videography. And then um, in the year that passed between 2019 and 2020, um, he started to learn guitar through Andy Guitar. And then lo and behold, oh my God, it's my guitar teacher stood in front of me. <laughs> so I had to hold the camera, if you remember, and that bit's in a video well. somewhere. Oh, that's amazing. I'd love, I'd love to see that because I do remember it very well, but it's always funny seeing stuff on camera that you remember well. It's, uh, you see it from both sides, as it were. But no, that was great. And in many ways, that encapsulates who my audience is. It's, it's not guitarists uh, primarily. It's primarily people that want to play guitar, that have always dreamed of it, but perhaps haven't started yet. And um, yeah, that's... That's a conscious choice even from back from when I first started teaching privately, uh, which is something I did for four or five years before I even, you know, YouTube making regular videos and having that be a thing was a thing. Um, so I graduated to, to give a, a very quick background. I graduated from university in 2008 when you couldn't even get a job in McDonald's, never mind in the music industry as it were. So yeah, after, a year or so of wondering what I was going to do and work doing uh, some other jobs like putting toppings on pizzas at Morrison's. I was teaching guitar and ended up building that up and I became fully booked over a couple of years. Did some live teching as well. Was a Lampy um, for various lampy. various music venues. Ended up being a Lampy at O2 Academy actually in Leeds. But wow. all the way through that was also teaching guitar just from home just through having a website and um yeah that's where youtube come in youtube was free advertising 
or how I saw it, it was free advertising for the private lessons. It then ended up growing into its own thing, but that's, that's not how it started really at all. I, I, it was, I don't want to go too far into my story, but YouTube was the same for me. I just did it with a little bit of a goal, but certainly for fun and, and to, to get to talk about guitar. Yeah. Um, I moved to Austria and I didn't have any, or, or I had one guitar friend, but he was also very busy and, and I'm a bit lonely here. Maybe I can get some online friends. <laughs> Well, the, that, the internet supports everything for, for that kind of thing, you know, for isolated people. And hey, we're just sort of, we're in the summer of lockdown uh, as we record this. So yeah, crikey, imagine all of this without uh, Zoom and online and videos and video calls and things like that. It would be a lot more difficult. It's certainly not easy for anyone, but it would be a lot more difficult without video calls for sure. Absolutely. We wouldn't have this podcast right now. Did you like get a lot more viewers during that lockdown time? Is there like a significant increase? Views went up for sure. And uh, yeah, the 10 day courses that I have on YouTube for both guitar and ukulele uh, seem to mm -hmm. be the perfect thing for people to, you know, dip into over lockdown. You know, the, again, the people that wouldn't necessarily regularly check YouTube or regularly play guitar or ukulele, uh, those courses were designed for those people and that was that was the time for them really mm, i can imagine yeah. and hopefully some, Actually, I you think know, you, you hopefully plenty of those people have stuck around like that's the goal to try and keep people playing yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah but like such a course is it's like the perfect outlet to just get rid of all the stress and you know everything that's you know all the worries and, and everything it's it's just perfect i feel for even with who, the ukulele it's even better absolutely yeah. i feel for people who don't play an instrument in uh in this kind of time because it is a it's a wonderful solitary but very cathartic as well mm -hmm. yeah. so speaking speaking of that cortesis uh, is that something that like are you are you also writing songs or is teaching some some sort of uh, like valve for you to to like decrease in stress levels and everything I'm at a time now where I'm not songwriting at all because I appreciate the art and I know how many songs you have to write to write good songs. <laughs> I would really, you know, if, I, if I'm songwriting, I would write a lot. I do have one album on Spotify, but that was really just a collection of the best. It was like the best of at that time, really. So I think I released it in 2012 and maybe 2013 at the start of 2013 and it was just me saying let's put something out there and if anybody wants to co-write or if that's a thing that becomes a collaboration eventually or people want to use those songs for their own means then great but yeah i'm not i'm not currently songwriting or uh for catharsis or anything i'm actually making progress for catharsis i guess i'm creating um little programs and courses and that's been because you to be honest when you're creating stuff or when you're practicing you're not looking at a screen mm -hmm. which is so rare during lockdown because i work i look at a computer i chill out i'm looking at netflix it's like when do we not look at screens you know what i mean it's mad <laughs> um more yeah. so now than ever so yeah that, that, it's been a brilliant thing to just actually practice and try and get better um want to do higher level courses and not just teach beginners but also just for fun just to um yeah make progress for the for the love of it that's that's been 
my catharsis this year. I think the guitar community has certainly grown a lot recently in this this lockdown period, and I've seen a lot of new players come on the scene. Um, yeah. I've seen two things happen, like two things that pop straight to the front of my head, and the one is loads of people uploading content of either them playing or opening up a YouTube channel or starting a podcast or something <laughs> like that. Um, and then others just beginning their guitar journey. And I've seen such a surge of positivity from the beginners. And it's been something I've been missing in my life because I know I joked about it earlier, but it can be a rather testing place to be in a guitar community on the internet. Um, because naturally it's very emotional to play in an instrument and um, sometimes emotion, you know, emotions can swing more than one way. But I've been part of, and not to take it away from Yandy, but, but the, the Fender Play Facebook group. Okay. So Fender are offering this, this pretty good system of learning to play guitar. And the Fender Play Facebook group is a wonderful place to be, which is a very strange thing to say about a Facebook group. Good. There's just people saying, you know, I've just started guitar, but the, it's not all about Fender Play. They just seem to have the, the big F name to bring people together. And I've seen your name mentioned in there. I've seen books mentioned. There's people, you know, just throwing like, oh, you can do this. And people saying, what's the first song I should learn? And people actually replying positively, like, you know, not trolling and not being uh, mean. They can be super positive, those um, Facebook groups. I think Facebook pages are a little bit dead now, really. Um, mm -hmm. But groups where, well, it's all about you, um, people uploading their own content, asking their own questions, their own photos. And that's how you get those kind of, it, it's a self-fulfilling organism. It just keeps growing and growing. And um, yeah, they, they, there's loads of, of great Facebook groups out there that I think are brilliant. Yeah, it's good. It's it's as I said, it's been so so positive. Good, um, that's great to hear. And that, that's that's something that's you know I, I needed personally as a player that's been playing twenty years. You kind of forget, you know. Well, there's an argument that could be said because YouTube gets is under the umbrella of social media, but is it a social media? Because it isn't in the same way as Facebook and Instagram and even TikTok is, because it's just not as two way. You know, my mom doesn't have a YouTube account, for example. She does have a Facebook and an Instagram and she will post and comment on stuff. Um, so it is different. And I have to say, I've, I've had a lot more success with the Google owned stuff um, where you're ranking for a search term than I have popping up in a Facebook or Instagram feed. Um, I've never got any traction on any of those platforms, really. It's just all been a small amount of kickback over from, from YouTube, really. But, but YouTube's always been my thing. Um, I have no complaints about that. It's 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 gone for not. It's gone better than I could have ever hoped. But yeah, it's interesting that you know for the new people that are starting, or for anyone that is um, wanting wanting to grow and and trying to do YouTube full time or any of the social medias full time, every platform is so different, and the rules there are no rules. It's whatever's good, whatever works. The rule is be great. Yeah. Just be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is, right? Andy grabs a pen. Be great. Um, yeah, be great. That's <laughs> what I've been telling people. Like people often ask me, uh, you know, whatever level I'm at, how do you do this kind of thing? How do you make money with guitars? To to mention a, a certain YouTube channel series that's happening over on my channel soon and currently. <laughs> and the golden rule seems to be just keep doing what you're doing and enjoy it. And I think that 
uh, dovetails in with what you're saying. One interesting thing that I found for me, because I struggled a bit last year, um, knowing, just having a clear path of, of what was what I should be making. I was a little unclear about that last year. Um, because you've, when you've already made a thousand YouTube videos and, uh, you know, the older ones are doing better than the new ones, you can think, what should I be doing? Regardless of you, just yeah. what should I be making? And what I found mm. this year is that if I make courses and make structured material, I end up as a byproduct of that, having way more material to make good, better YouTube videos. But I need to be making the longer, more structured stuff, even if that's not going to be seen by a lot of people, because mm -hmm. that that's the thing that gives me the ideas for videos. Um, so makes I make structured courses, not only to provide structure for learners, but also to help me make better videos. Um, and yeah, over the last year or so, I've, I've definitely relied too heavily on just teaching songs. Um, and that is, there's still a love and people always want to learn songs and I'm never going to run out of songs to teach. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing that I do better is adding some structure to that. And the 10 day courses are a, a perfect example of that, I think. And I think there's a lot more I can do with that kind of thing rather than just make it a total beginner thing, for example. Sure. I find it super interesting because I was I was having a thought in my head like from the very beginning when we started uh, talking because you're one of the pro educators and you like educate people, you teach them how to play the guitar. But often you hear that like when artists tell that they teach people, they say that they learn so much about themselves when teaching. So it popped to my mind, what did the process of teaching others teach you? Was it just adding structure to to how you teach or what, what else? Like what kind of perspective that did that job open to you for your own self for your own process of, of learning the instrument which is like almost an infinite process a fascinating thing is patience a lot of people will uh, a lot of guitarists will say i could never teach guitar i don't have the patience for it i have bags of patience with people i have zero patience with technology <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest thing that i've learned i will get so annoyed with either technology or or stuff i can get really wound up with stuff people yeah. if some if somebody wants to learn guitar and they're not getting it and they need me to show them 10 times that's all good with me because i i understand it i've been there and i have patience with people and i don't necessarily i don't have that in a lot of other areas I can be very impatient with other things. So that's probably the biggest thing I've noticed. What are you really impatient with? I want to know. Just that guy. Yeah. I, I mean, um, queuing. How are you at queuing in supermarkets? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not great. But, but no, because again, queuing in supermarkets is you're waiting for people. So that doesn't wind me up. Oh. Whereas I know other people, it really winds up because they're like, jam, I'm done. Wait for all these people. Um, But no, technology, well, for example, I, I mean, I should be live streaming way more and I haven't done it for ages. And one of the reasons for that is I did live stream on Facebook and then on YouTube every week for about a year and a half. It was like every wow. Tuesday. So this was back from about the middle of 2017, um, yeah, end of 2018 or something like that. But I haven't done it for a year and a half. 
And one of the reasons was it was such a faff to set up a live stream. And then afterwards, it still didn't look any good. I was like, I'm still not happy with this. And it was always a lot easier if I was just, if I live stream on Facebook, I'd just do it from my phone or something. And that was great because I'd be speaking or there'd be about, you know, 60 to 100 people live. And it would actually, I'd actually be able to answer questions and help people. And, you know, there'd be about, you know, 10 people watching from Australia or something. And they, you know, for what, I don't know, even though probably they were watching with their breakfast or something. Um, but it was a really lovely thing because they would ask questions and I'd be able to respond to them. And the same people would turn up every week. It would be great. Doing that on YouTube was just chaos. It was just a hundred comments a second and half of them would just be play Wonderwall, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes it would end up being like that because then the, as soon as you start taking song requests, the comments fly and yeah. you think your video is doing better. But um, I wanted to make live streams that were rewatchable and I couldn't do that well enough on YouTube. So I stopped doing it. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, there've been a lot better weeks rather than that. You just get a lot more done without having to do something live. And I think everyone's realized that um, unless you're responding to questions, there's no need for it to be live. Mm -hmm. I agree. It has to be fully interactive. If you mm -hmm. just, I mean, there's a sense, if you're gonna perform, if you're a performer and you're singing and playing songs, that's pure entertainment, mm -hmm. so why not? But, but if I have seen some please. good um, people going live on Instagram, like Frank Turner, and they just chat to other people that they're good friends with. Um, who is it? The guy from Bowling for Soup. I forget his name, the singer. But they do a, they do a great and regular kind of podcast thing, but they'll also take questions live. But they just do it live on Instagram. It isn't a podcast at all. Um, I think that's that kind of thing is really fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame to make stuff that doesn't have rewatchability, in my opinion. And everything that's done well for me tends to have that either rewatchability or it will be a bit more evergreen. And the live videos or the stuff that pops up in a feed and then it's gone um, has never never done well for me. But also, that's my sensibility. I think is the reason it hasn't done as well. <laughs> it does. I I won't disagree with you, but it does sound you're being uh, rather self-critical there, Andy. It does. Uh, I'm sure many people enjoyed it, and uh, I'm sure it is watchable again. But uh, I can't watch my own videos. I hate editing my videos. I'm like, look at that fool. <laughs> even when I'm even when I'm purposefully being a fool, I'm like, that's ex that's too much fool. <laughs> um, but I, I think so something that you did, Andy. If I'm gonna change gear for a second dan dan raised his pencil then which which meant a serious question was coming oh so i I'm like gonna that i'm gonna jump in front of him <laughs> um one thing you did andy this year was you you added something to the guitar product world yes i did i have my own andy guitar acoustic guitar i have it here yay this will be really good for uh obviously listeners who can't see it great great audio you can sort of scratch it around and, and tap it and my headphones back on. Okay, this is it. Is it in tune? There we go, it's even in tune. So this is a Brunswick AGF 200. Mm -hmm. And uh, this came about, well, mainly because a lot, I think it's any, any guitarist dream to have a signature guitar. Everybody wants their little signature on stuff, just like when I was a kid and I saw David Beckham had his signature on his football boots, you know, 
you you want that from a you know if you if you're in the what you dream what do you dream about <laughs> but as soon as i became a teacher and i was mainly a beginner's guy they were the people that connected me with to my stuff with private lessons and also have connected with me on the youtube videos i was like if i'm doing an acoustic guitar i want a guitar that is basically my number one recommendation for beginners the guitar that i wanted or i you know would have been perfect to me to learn on I started learning really when I was 12 years old. You know, what was the guitar for that person? And um, and an acoustic guitar that's affordable for anyone and sounds great. And this is basically that. It's based on the current Brunswick line of guitars or one of, one of their guitars. Um, but I've customized it. So I chose the color. I chose this binding. I chose uh, these little circles here. We went for kind of a vintagey look. Um, I love the dark and mahogany look of acoustic guitars. I've got a few of them in that style. I just think they look better. And the headstock with essentially the pick over the, uh, <laughs> where, the where the truss rod guard would go. And um, that was that was the guys at Brunswick's idea. They were like, I literally had a pick in my pocket and they put it there and we went, shall we, shall we do that? I think that looks cool. And I was like, yeah, it really does. It really works. <laughs> it really does. So yeah, that's how exactly how that came about really. And, but that must be nearly a year ago now that the conversation first happened. So that just shows you how much physical goods can take a long time. Hmm. Yeah. Sure. So can you give us a rundown on, on the actual specs? It's like full ma mahogany, so a solid top? Um, it's not a solid top, no. It is kind of right, the, okay. the laminated kind of thing. But um, right. and it's got a satin finish. Um, it has right, cool. higher quality strings on than would come with, um, you know, I sell this guitar for 115 pounds. It's got, no. a, it's got a lot okay, better. That's not a lot of it's money. got a lot better yeah. strings on than you would normally find um, <laughs> on a, a hundred and fifteen pounds guitar. Um, yeah. yeah, I have to plead ignorance on on the the details of the specs because my my the things that I added to this guitar were cosmetic. Absolutely, I I make no, I've not reinvented the acoustic guitar or done anything mm. crazy at all. It is absolutely a recommendation that I've put my name on. What I will say is back in hmm. 2005, my first acoustic guitar was a Crafter. Um, uh, Crafter, one of the bowed back ones, you know, one, ones with the plastic back on them. So they were thinner, so they were a lot. Oh, yeah, the there. classic ovation look. It's yeah. very much an ovation style, right? Um, and in 2005, I'd, I had a wooden floor in my bedroom, the guitar slipped and it, the neck, the head broke off the neck. Okay. Ouch. So I was without a guitar for a little while and I actually bought one of these for about, I think it was 155 um, back then because I needed a guitar and I thought it was great when I tried it in the shop and I thought it was unbelievable compared to the other guitars that were three or 400 pounds that I was considering that one of these was so uh -huh. good for, for one, 155 or something like that. And that was back in 2005. That guitar since I, I passed it on, uh, you know, second hand sale. Main reason I passed it on was my dad actually glued back on the head of my first ever <laughs> guitar without me knowing, because um, he couldn't stand to throw it away. And he was like, "I don't know if I can't, don't know how to put the strings on it, but I've glued you, glued the neck back on for you." And I was like, oh. "Wow!" And it's one of those where the once you've done that, if you do it well enough, the glue will be stronger than the wood. So yeah, if, if it breaks again, you often find, you know, when Gibsons and things have been uh, repaired, 
if the headstock goes again, it will it won't go in the same spot because the glue is stronger <laughs> than the wood. Um, so yeah, it just shows that even back then, um, yeah, that it was a, a brand that I was aware of even back in two thousand and five. I thought they were great then. I think they're great now. I'm proud that it's a UK brand, and yeah, that's it's it's something I'm really proud to offer, and we sell it exclusively through my website, AndyGuitar.co.uk. <laughs> awesome. So, so I missed that. that, be I missed a... that. What, what was the website, Andy? I missed it. AndyGuitar.co.uk. Okay, got it that time. Thank you. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so they are currently sold out because, um, well, we had a short run of 15 in the first batch and they sold out wow. in five hours. But we will have more wow. in stock at various points later in the year. Awesome. That's, is it, so there was... Do you say it's based on the BF200? Yes. So there's a couple okay, of... Can I give you some specs for the... I've, I've got some specs up of the BF200, so you for can, our yeah, sure. geeky friends. But the, the uh, it's... one big point about it, though, is it has mm -hmm. the cutaways in it are a little bit more than they would normally be in a more dreadnought, certainly more than a dreadnought shape. And it has a slight wedge mm -hmm. on it as well, which just makes it super, super comfortable to sit into the body as opposed to, uh, you know, somewhat similar to how I like the original Ovation Crafter style guitar because ah. it was just a little a little bit more like an electric and a lot of people whenever anyone holds an acoustic guitar for the first time it feels like you're holding a bear doesn't it it's just yeah, it really, really a huge thing on your knee so that was really important for me and that's why we based it on this shape primarily cool well looking at the the bf 200 which is as you said is slightly different hmm. um it's a that's a spruce top and i believe you said yours is darker so is it a mahogany top it's a mahogany satin. It a darkens... it's a mahogany satin. okay and this is mahogany back and sides, uh, laminated, of course, then mm -hmm. a rosewood fretboard and a rosewood bridge. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it, it does seem like the perfect guitar. If it's got your name on it, it, it you know, you must have obviously tested that guitar. And you're not just going to put a name on it to sell 50 of them. Of course, you've you sound like you've researched it and, and you sound like the kind of guy who actually wants to help people rather than make 115 pounds or someone. No, exactly. Um, no, it's really important. I mean, if it was... The again, the biggest thing isn't necessarily the spec as well. It's why I chose not to focus on it. One of the main th benefits of this is they ship from the UK. So they're made out east, but they're, they're shipped to the UK and then they're checked over. So they're essentially set up before they get posted any, anywhere in the world. But especially if, well, really for anywhere in the world, because any guitar that is set up, a setup can cost 50 to 100 pounds. Yes. And any guitar that's off the shelf that, that you buy in a store could possibly need a setup. These, we can guarantee they've been set up just before they're shipped. And you just can't guarantee that with any guitar, really. But these, these we can, because it was the thing that I fought for. And it's the thing that will make... That's the most... Can you guys describe a setup perhaps better than me? Because I don't want to just do all the talk. It sounds like I'm selling it. You know, I am selling it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, w I was just like like supporting that strongly because that's the worst part for for a beginner. If you like like get a guitar as a gift or something, you pull it out of the bag or the the cardboard box, and the setup is horrible because then it's not not fun at all. You want to have that guitar, and it should play like butter, no matter if it costs 115 squid or 500. And mainly so on, on really an acoustic guitar, all we can really do with setup is adjust the neck and make sure that the action, which is the height of the strings from the fretboard, is optimum so that you don't have to press mm -hmm. on too hard 
when you're playing your chords so that when you play higher up the neck again you've not got like a centimeter or an inch like on some really bad guitars it's again optimum for that guitar and also that the neck is fairly straight so that it's not uh it's it's got a nice it's got the right curve to it so that again you're ensuring that you've got that optimum string height all the way across there's a lot more to doing setups with electric guitars but on acoustic guitars that's the main thing if anyone buys a guitar off amazon or straight out of a guitar shop you, there's no way you can guarantee that that guitar is going to play well it doesn't matter how much or little it's cost great thing about these guitars is we can actually guarantee that because they're set up before they go in the box and before they ship as a guitar reviewer, I very often get disappointed. And if, if a guitar doesn't, doesn't play well out of the box, mm. then we have an issue straight away. And mm. that has happened um, in the past few months. And also, uh, as a guitar reviewer, I try to make sure I don't get cherry-picked guitars. So I want something that the, the average customer that will That is the receive. typical. Otherwise, yeah, what's the point in a review? Mm -hmm. um, and in that case, when I do have an issue, I still talk about it, but it's like, okay, it's great. That actually gives me more confidence in a company sometimes because they've given me something that's real. Mm. Um, but if we, if we step out of being guitarists for a moment, and if I try and put myself way back into to being 12 and, and wanting a guitar and getting into the guitar world, I didn't, the, the word guitar setup didn't mean anything to me. The words play like mm. butter didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> It's, I was just in awe of, I have a guitar, you know? So people are worrying about the chords and they're worrying about their fingers hurting and all this sort of stuff and doing it in the right way and, and what are they doing? So it's, it's, I think it's a guitar company's um, responsibility to deliver a guitar that is, it's not just a playable instrument, but it's, it's you're welcoming a new guitarist to the world. You're birthing a future customer. Absolutely. And, it's a false economy when people buy cheap guitars or, or used guitars that have been beaten up because then, you know, how often have you heard, oh yeah, I played guitar for a few months, but then I, I gave up after a few, a few weeks, you know, it just wasn't for me. <laughs> and how much of that, how much of that is the instrument was a big pile of poo, you know? <laughs> well, we all have to say that any beginner guitar is harder to play than a more expensive guitar. For anyone that is a beginner out there, that's the main reason we spend more money on guitars. They, they make us sound better and they're easier to play. It's a win-win. Sure. There's, there's a limit to how much that will keep working. <laughs> and we all hope that would keep going. You know, can I, can I just buy a better guitar and then sound amazing? Um, there's a point where it doesn't work anymore, but with that, that I get asked all the time, what's your number one acoustic recommendation? What gear do you recommend? And with acoustic guitars especially, that's the reason it's really difficult because it does matter which one did you get? Where did you buy it from? Was it set up before you got it? And those are things that a beginner would never think to get or anybody that's buying a guitar as a gift for maybe their kids, their husband, anyone. Um, hmm. That's the thing that is never at the forefront of their mind. And that's why it was my number one thing with this one when it has got my name on it, that it's set up out of the box and um and these all are with that we have kept quantities fairly low so we've got 50 on this first one another 50 coming in next month um so they've been released next month and then towards the end of the year we're looking at bigger quantities but we with the smaller quantities we're doing we will probably sell out of them fairly quickly because we're, we're never gonna place massive orders of them because it's a totally new thing mm. you know 
and and there is risk involved with physical goods um, but hopefully in the future we can keep making it available as an ongoing thing and see what happens from there but i'm, I'm really pleased that this has been to, to have a signature guitar that's a, a beginner's affordable and a my number one recommendation is phenomenal that's that's goal achieved really <laughs> that's a great awesome. achievement to be able to uh to again bring something new to the guitar world that you believe in thank you man the logo looks good on it as well <laughs> it does it really when i saw it i thought oh mate well done well done indeed I, I recognize the logo. In fact, you guys, too... you guys might be able to help me with this because I did think another obvious thing is an overdrive pedal, but I can't think of a name for it. And there's no point in selling a pedal unless it's got a great name. So I will never release an overdrive pedal unless we can think of a great name for one. I'm pretty good at names, but I feel on the spot. So give me a second. <laughs> I want to know what Dan's question was when he, when he raised the pencil and I will grab my pencil. The pencil and, was raised. Um, yeah, yeah, so pencil game is strong in the podcast. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, no. Actually, um, you know, I I had that serious question, and uh, the other one is more of a fun question because you said that people most often like approach you and ask you what's the best beginner song, and when you picked up the guitar, I was like, all right, what is the best uh, beginner song? Like, what's your recommendation for the first song you you should learn? Is there such a thing? Absolutely. I mean, I keep making videos about it and it's always my number one song recommendation. But um, yeah, For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. It's just got two chords, E and A, or I mean, you can always add more complexity to it than that. Um, but uh -huh. the way that I always taught it when I was teaching absolute beginner again and again and again in Leeds, whether they were playing electric guitar or acoustic guitar, I'd teach them Buffalo Springfield and get them strumming a bar of E and a bar of A. That's just what I had the most success with. If that didn't work, I'd have tried another song, but I never had to mm -hmm. abandon that song. I would always be able That's to get them st literally strumming along to the recording by the end of the 45 minutes or so. All right, that's cool. That makes like a big smile. That puts a big smile on everyone's face. What, what, what was the first song that you learned and you could play as a, as a whole? I wish I could remember more of my journey. And in fact, there's many core steps that I know I have to teach people that I can't remember getting. And it's annoying, actually. I, w I wish I could remember it better. But the one thing I do remember clear as day is my brother, my older brother plays guitar. It's called John Crowley. He's in a band called Cyclozine. Uh, they, play, <laughs> they play really heavy industrial rock, which in, uh, by their description is noise for them, not for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he taught me a c chord on his kind of stratocaster style guitar i think it was a yamaha pacifica actually that he had at the time and it was i was like eight and i just couldn't see how you could play this c chord so anyone struggling with a c chord out there i have genuinely been there and it took me you know i didn't play guitar from being eight years old i didn't pick it up really until i was 12. So how long did it mm -hmm. take me to play anything on guitar, really? Four or five years is the truth, because I did put it down. Mm -hmm. um, during that time, I did, I did get really into computer-based music on, <laughs> on an Amiga Commodore. That was the first thing I made computer music on. And that was back when I was like nine years old. And yeah, from being nine to 12, my brother was into music tech, so he gave me some of his old stuff. And yeah, I really enjoyed making music on that. And when I was 12, 
I, I was able to strum some chords like E minor and G and I went on from there. But yeah, I didn't have a capo early enough as well. And my, blimey, anyone learning the guitar that hasn't got a capo yet, please get one. It makes them, it makes more songs available to you. It means you don't yeah, have to yeah. learn bar chords too early. But when you do learn bar chords, learn them with a capo on and the strings are already closer to the guitar, it's easier to play. Yeah. And here's the thing, what I hear most often from like rather uneducated like musicians or people, they, they somehow like doom the, the capo as, as a tool for lazy people that cannot like, you know, play bar chords, which is completely silly because you're in different voicings. But some, it's one of those kind of urban myths among like beginners or more least advanced players. And I, I never really get it how you could like say something so wrong and, 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 and put the capo in, in such a wrong position, you know, in, in, in the tool set of a, of a guitarist. We can all understand. Have that. you ever heard that before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But with um, acoustic guitar in particular, I think most of, I think most of the best acoustic guitar songs ever actually need a capo to be played as they were on the record. Yeah. Wonderwall, yeah. Hotel California, uh, Here Comes the Sun, uh, the Jeff Buckley version of Hallelujah, all of those require a capo to be played correctly. So yeah, if anybody's saying that a capo is just a beginner tool, that is just wrong. Great that we could say that <laughs> like, officially. But they're really useful <laughs> as well for like electric guitar stuff. There's just there's so much more scope and they're so inexpensive. And I've even known people. Well, I get comments from people who say, "Oh, you can just use a pencil and a um, and a what is it? Elastic band." And yeah, your own capo. It's like <laughs> if you're doing that, that will not sound good. Please get a capo. They're designed for the job. Yeah, absolutely. Oh well, well, well. Oh, it's interesting. Are you still like in in, in into electric music and programming stuff? Is that something? My degree is, was actually in music tech. My degree was technically pop, popular music production. So I'm a big oh, wow. music tech guy. But since graduating it i found it a lot more freeing and a lot more fun to explore what you can do in with instrument with real instruments as opposed to software mm. instruments yeah. um and software and computer music and recording is all a tool to record your ideas and get them down whether that is while you're sketching and creating and composing or whether that is to get the final idea and the final thing. So I love MIDI and VST instruments, big into that. I've even, as part of my degree, I did a lot of film music. Um, my dissertation one was on a study of Danny Elfman's uh, film composition wow. technique. Massive fan of Danny wow. Elfman. Uh, I, found it, yeah. I found it a lot easier to pin him down to a few core things than I did someone like John Williams, because. If you try and pin down John Williams, it's just like, be brilliant. <laughs> be the best. It's hard to just write the best music. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Danny Elfman, if you go somewhere between Batman and The Simpsons, there are there are themes there that um, are perhaps easier to replicate somewhat. Mm, but yeah, I'm still a, I'm a huge fan of computer-based uh, music, but for my own stuff, for fun these i find it more fun to keep to record real instruments because that's all i was hoping mm. to do often with the software anyway and now i 
have the luxury of having great guitar amps and that kind of thing. So yeah, that's that's what I do. Yeah. Well, I guess there are 1.5 million uh, viewers from your channel that uh, appreciate having Andy guitar and not Andy MIDI. <laughs> well, I do have I do have Andy piano, and I did contemplate it like Andy keys, and then I did think, how many channels am I gonna make? You know, my my old housemate. When I first started teaching privately, I was in a shared house. God bless them. So they they did put up with um, some loud noises from you know people learning guitar for the first time there. But they did say, oh, blimey, I'm just going to teach beginner ballet. <laughs> they couldn't believe I was, uh, I was, they couldn't believe I had the balls to do it, I don't think. But um, yeah, it's certainly come a long way since then. I want to see Andy Middy. Andy Middy. <laughs> well, a lot of the bigger channels do tend to be a bit more software based or they're, they're, they don't tend to be guitar. There's that. Uh, Andrew is music. He's a big one. He's big into his all his keys and MIDI and that kind of thing, isn't he? Is that right? Andrew Huang? Yeah. I never yeah, I saw him at Nam. I've never talked to him. We speak, have you spoken to him? I never. I've not. I've, I, I did see him and I, I honestly didn't have the, the guts to walk up to him and say, I love your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love what he does. I love the creativity he brings to the music world. I think it's fantastic. I will, I will say this, that that uh, style of video is so different to what I do. And there are, from, from what I can see, there are at least two camps with that kind of thing. There are those people that are, they make standalone videos that are phenomenal entertainment. And I make tutorials as if I would make them face to face, but there's very little production value or creativity in them, um, as especially standalone videos. The, the the standalone videos that some creators are making these days is just outstanding, and um, just flow by them. And and hope to absolutely aspire to do that. And over the next six months in particular, I hope to do a lot more than that. I haven't been able to over the last year just because I've committed to making so many frigging videos. <laughs> how, ma how many do you have on your channel in total? Oh, well over a thousand, like 1,200. Wow. But this year in particular, and for the last couple of years, I think it's been three a week. So I've, wow. so I, I haven't missed a week with an upload in, you know, 10 years now. And you know there's also all the premium content as well and courses that i make um mm. that means i've commonly like at this moment i've probably got about <laughs> there's probably about 150 videos that i have so there's about 50 ready for youtube and about 100 for premium stuff um okay. but that's just what i'm that's i'm in the middle of i knew i had to film a lot over the last six months because i'm moving house and new courses are coming up so that that's certainly not the average but that's where i found myself right now so i just haven't been able to focus on making excellent standalone videos but that's the people that can do that are certainly going to be the ones that end up on top for sure yeah it's writing that down <laughs> can we go back to the pedal i went silent for a while because i was working on names for your pedal let's do it <clears throat> okay, I went with the fact I tried to get something that fitted you, but I have several suggestions. Uh, the first one was the Genesis because it was at the beginning, but it you know it's 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 crap. But I, I'm starting the. It's a ball. it's a beginning. It's a keep going. Then you know the Timmy. I don't know the Timmy. 
There's a pedal called the Timmy. It's a classic overdrive. So therefore, you've got the Andy. Um, written think, in very sim think, similar font. I'm not kidding you. I think if you called it the Andy, I think the natural nickname for it would be the Andy Pandy. That's where we get into. <laughs> On to my next one. <laughs> I didn't have Andy Pandy, but now I do. Then I had the three chord trick. Because mm. you know it's, it's a classic thing, and that, that it's quite a boutiquey kind of name, the three chord trick. I think. Yeah. Then I had the boob screamer, just because <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> um, then I thought we could do something that was very, very branded in a childlike manner, sort of Fisher Price, and call it my first overdrive. Yeah. No, I can see that actually. And then I came up with possibly the coolest one, which is the AC Crow. Oh, that takes me back. You see, my first ever, before I was Andy Guitar, I came up with the idea of having ACGT, which was Andy Crowley yeah. Guitar Tuition, <laughs> in the font. And I was so pleased with myself for about a day. Then <laughs> <laughs> after that one day, I went, well, actually, I've got five students. They all play acoustic guitar. I think two of them have heard of ACDC, but that, that was my first branding experience where I went, actually, it's a great idea, but it will not work in practice. It will do more harm than good. Um, but I do <laughs> like that. I do like that. You're welcome. I'm going to go out on a limb, Andy, and say, if you had named it ACGT, you wouldn't be sitting here right now. <laughs> but I stuck I with you, that. I think you made the right choice. <laughs> I'm so pleased with myself, though. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I get it. I get it. So I, I love names for stuff. So often I get stuck on a name and it just turns out to be a terrible idea in general. It's very, no, so. it's very difficult though. Um, the only other one I can compare it to is, so I'm a big fan of The Darkness and uh, Dan Hawkins in particular, actually, <laughs> right? Just for whatever reason, I was, you know, started being in a band and loved my classic rock stuff in 2003. And I just happened to be the same time when the, the Darkness were one of the biggest bands in the world. I actually find the whole story really fascinating as well, where they were kind of considered a joke band, so they ended up funding their own album. They recorded it themselves, and when that ended up being number one in most parts of the world, they were the ones that became millionaires, and many people that had similar success did not. And that's as a direct, you know, that, that was them being forced to do it their own, and they did better out of it. But they did this thing a while ago where uh, they were releasing... Like they were selling their own guitars to fans directly and selling gear to fans. And I think some of them were like brand new guitars that were the same as theirs, but for less than you would buy it normally. And they were selling like set lists and all that kind of thing. It was just literally something to do for the hardcore following um, to gain interest. And one of them was an overdrive pedal, which they called the Dan Buster, because it was like the Dan <laughs> overdrive. I remember this. I remember this. And I was like, that's a great idea. That's not a great name for a pedal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of like it. I mean, I've I since tried, tried to get one, you know? I haven't got any ideas for the name of one. So so thinking of any, you know, is is better than, better than nothing. But I was like, there was something more, especially with, because I have to say, I think the darkness as a logo and as a logo representing the band, that has to be one of the best band logos of all time. As yeah, a represent, simple. it's right, right up there with ACDC and, and um, but 
that represents the band that's that's pretty phenomenal and i was like you may as well have just called it the darkness overdrive really i mm. think they may have got more um more like that and it should have had flames at the bottom exactly know, so. yeah absolutely no it could have had more of that kind of thing but that's that's a little belly button that's justin's thing not dan's thing really the whole flame they made the 50 2017 they made 50 in 2017 huh. i nearly bought one i was hmm. tempted yeah, I, I almost bought one as well. I thought about it, but I was too busy trying to fund a YouTube channel back then. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> yeah, just probably. another tube screen with clone as well. Yeah. And I do have an probably. old battered 808. Actually, I've probably got it here. Yeah, here we go. <gasps> oh. That's one I've got. How old is that? Oh, that's an early 90s one. I got it off of eBay. Um, do you guys as well? This is a geeky question. Do you guys know any other pedal that needs the little um, adapter on it, or is it just a tube screamer? It's also the Big Muff Pie, New York City, the big box one, okay. and the some of the Proco Rats. Ah, okay. Because the f when I first bought this, it didn't have that. <laughs> so I was <laughs> Me like, too. mother. So, you know, it's got a battery in it as well, but I went, yeah, I need one of those. And then I went, I really need a little adapter for it. Guitar pedal? That yep. just seems bizarre. But there you go. <laughs> another, ran another random one. Another, another random one that I do have that I haven't talked about enough. This Dan, Dan Electro Eisenhower Fuzz is actually phenomenal. And I, I've never tried that one. I need to do... I don't, they're not particularly known for the fuzzes, but this one is... It sounds quality to me. And uh, it's always hard to record with a fuzz. I think I can make it sound great in the room. And it's... You never know what what you're being captured because of the frequencies it's a very it's a very difficult thing um i think a lot of fuzzers sometimes it's some sort of direct in at some point along the line so that you get all the harmonics um but yeah that's a phenomenal fuzz pedal for sure uh, maybe dan you can answer why the the ibanez 808 has that adapter is that just how it came or was there not a standard I... back then I have no clue. I gotta admit, you know, I'm not, I'm not too, too much into pedals. So uh, here's my final ones, just because uh, I don't get a chance to talk about them too much. Oh, yeah. Look at that, my boy. So and he's got, got the blues breaker, right? Where's I've the blues breaker? It's here. That's my blues breaker. Oh, look at that! All right. <laughs> oh, so that's, that makes that makes great audio content. <laughs> this is the noise of blues. What noise does yours make? Um, the, well, the specific noise that this makes is sounding great in front of a plexiamp. So I have a Victory Sheriff right. these days, mm -hmm. and that is why I had one of these before with my old dual terror, the orange dual terror. Um, and again, but with any, it works far better in front of the plexi. It just turns anything into an old 80s Marshall really it sounds great. So this is the Drive Master. The Shred Master is more famous of the three that, that, that are part of this range. Um, that's the Blur Song 2 sound and uh, Creep Radiohead, the Overdrive parts. That's the Shred Master. And I, my preference is the Drive Master. Why did you get yours? Uh, oh, I love telling this story. I got that for 15 pounds in Sweet. a closing down sale in Gloucester when I was about 15 and I almost threw it away because I thought it didn't do anything because it's one of those 
now it's a classic transparent uh make gooder pedals but back then i was you know into uh the you know quiet quiet verse hard chorus so you just press a button and it goes Rah! and that didn't do Rah! so i thought oh this is rubbish but for 15 pounds i wasn't I just put it back in a drawer and now you know people are offering me like 200 300 euros for it it's true no that, um, it is a rarity but yeah that's exactly what the shred master was wasn't it? it's the pixies thing when everybody mm. was ripping off the pixies in the 90s clean good in the pixies <laughs> clean verse heavy chorus i missed the days yeah <laughs> i i have the oh, I, um i have the whole collection actually since i have there's a governor as well yeah because the governor is one of the, the few that they the ended up they did their, their they did the newer version of and I blew, the blues brick as well i think actually they did mm-hmm. i never liked those as much i'll be honest i've not a would them but yeah. you know i'm already i've got the original blues breaker so i'm already the the cool kid so why why should <laughs> <I>? <laughs> and you accident. didn't give it away for a freaking pastrami then electro overdrive pedal no <laughs> i think that's still the worst overdrive pedal i've ever played yeah i and told I, you the story i gave it away yeah i traded in for that pastrami overdrive oh yeah it's still the <laughs> oh daniel yeah i know i know i know so that is you know maybe the one day overdrive yeah, if there's like a if there's like a bright spot somewhere in the universe with with the best tone, then the pastrami overdrive resides like forest away from that, like somewhere in the dark. Even I knew back just... then when I thought that the blues breaker was a do nothing pedal. Even I knew the pastrami was total dog poo. <laughs> you know, but what the pastrami did is, and that is uh, where I totally follow you, is that like it it made everything just louder it was like boosting stuff whereas the blues breaker was very subtle and yes. at that time you know when you're young and we when you have all that energy you don't want subtlety you want just <laughs> it's true but i have five ds1s for that now you know <laughs> always five <laughs> always five i, I, I oh, just wow. i'm just addicted to them I, I i can't help but stop buying them because they always come up near me for like 30 euros i'm like that's that's only 30 euros. <laughs> but I've got, and now, now I've got a reason. I've got a silver screw uh, from 78, and I've got one from the early 80s, and I've got one from the early 90s, and then a, 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 this is, again, not great podcast content, but I have this. It's called The Evil Pumpkin, which is coming to my channel soon. And it's mm. got, look, listen, it's got switches. It's got switch. I don't know what you've done. It looks like you've made it into some sort of time machine. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I've done a video with it, and it's it's either the worst or the best video I've ever done. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very interesting pedal. Uh, it self oscillates, and it's you can put a torch on it or light, and it reacts to light. Uh, it's insane. I do that does remind me of a guitar I once saw in a guitar shop in Huddersfield, where I went to uni, and I can't remember what the guitar was, but it had those little knobs and, and uh, switches all over it from all over the body. And the sign just, the price tag just said too cool to sell. Oh, Ooh, I nice. wish I knew what that nice was. Mar- I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> nice marketing. Yeah. Oh man. We'll never know. We'll never know. 
All right. Well, um, so we already heard about Andy's uh, guest moment of the week, or at least Andy's for Andy's fans with the with the Brunswick guitar. Andy Ferris, what was your guest moment of the week? That's a good question, Dan. I'm just trying to look at what I've received this week. I mean, it's it's slightly unfair as I review gear, so some people have sent me some stuff this week. Um, I'm very much looking forward to opening the box to some Wahlbrück pedals, which is from Germany. And I'm pretty sure I've just mispronounced his name. Um, <laughs> Wahlbrück. Yeah, so um, they seem to be they're coming into the UK via a new distribution company um, called Rebellion Guitars. And um, his name is Henning Wahlbrück. Uh, made in Nieder, Niedersachsen, Saxon. God, my German is right. terrible today. Sorry, Dan. Um, but there's some very cool <laughs> looking pedals. Um, and I've managed to discipline myself to not opening the boxes going, ooh, and then putting it back and then making a video. I saved that ooh moment for the video. Um, okay. But if I could qualify that with a real answer, it would be the Fender Duo Sonic that arrived this week. Um, sadly, the switch was broken, uh, so that created a very interesting video moment when I found that out halfway through the video. Uh, and then it decided to bite me, and I got a piece of metal in my finger. Um, Ouch. Yeah. yeah, it really hurt. Really, in fact, it's still a little bit there. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm about, I don't know, 0.0001% duo sonic right now. <laughs> um, you know, you know, FMIC property. <laughs> Maybe it's a chip. Maybe they're chipping players. I mean, oh, oh no, <laughs> it's not a great gear review so far. It's a beautiful guitar. I can't show it you, but it's it's white with a anodized gold pick guard, and it, it just for me it, it ticks the boxes. If you, uh, if it's not white, it's desert sand. Sorry to get the proper fender. Love white guitars. I've really, I always thought they were a bit pretentious back in the day, but I just love them now. I don't care. There, I I really want my guitars to look a little bit flash. I do find them, you know, instruments that should look good and do look good, but in white, I think they just pop. I, I have the same thing with black guitars, but they never pop on camera. They just disappear, it, and it's really annoying because you you hold it and you go, "Wow, that looks fabulous." Um, I have a just a cheap Gretsch, to be honest. One of the they call them the streamliners now. They didn't used to call them that, but I have an older one. Um, it's perhaps the best looking guitar I've got. It just doesn't pop on camera. It really, it's really frustrating. But all the white ones do. And any time they're a little off white or have any decoration in them, they just get better. Yeah, I, I just don't like playing white guitars when they're too near my teeth, because then you can see, you know, that I need to go to the dentist and get those bad boys cleaned. Uh... <laughs> that's that's so why being we... a darkness fan. That's why we have YouTube lights. Honestly, when my girlfriend's Skyping <laughs> cam, uh, her family, she always comes in my studio and she turns the lights on, and they're always like, "Oh wow, you look amazing! You know, have you lost weight? Did your makeup look good?" She's like, "No, it's Andy's lights. They're great." <laughs> YouTube lights, they keep your teeth white. <laughs> oh, I've got to start selling that idea to my girlfriend so I can. Yeah, Multi-purpose multi lights, come on. 
<laughs> what about you, Dan? So except for selling, have you got anything? Well, I just want to ask oh, ask Andy. Except for selling like 50, 50 guitars to your fans, like has there been any kind of guess moment of the week where you were guessing hard for any piece of gear, like new or old? Um, what have I been after? No, no. Um, I'm, well, I'm, I've been I've been looking looking to um, pass on a couple of guitars that. Uh, because I'm, I'm moving house and it is a smaller house than my current one. Yeah. So I have a lot of guitars behind me and uh, yeah, they can't all, there's just not enough room for them in, in the next house. It is a smaller space. So, um, but yeah, I think we're doing a giveaway of one of the uh, Journey guitars. The Journey guitars are really fantastic. I don't know if you've checked them out yet. Um, they, the neck, comes off totally and then you can pack it away so it's the size uh -huh. of a suitcase and i've never seen i don't know of any others that do that but that's of any that are out there that's the best that it's because it's a patented um fixed in on the neck so literally in seconds you've got a guitar in two halves and then back together and that's cool. it literally yeah. fits in the overhead of a plane or you know it's the that sort of size so um and their new one's called a paddle jumper it's a very, <laughs> that's that? a very, it's, I dig it. It's just a slightly smaller version of the same thing, and it would even go under the seat on a plane, actually. Um, it's that small, <laughs> no but, it's, but it then packs up to be like a travel size guitar. And um, yeah, I'm a big awesome. fan of them because they're, they're so unique and really useful. That's cool. If you're flying during Corona times, because there are so <laughs> few people on the plane, you can actually play it <laughs> while flying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's cool, right? And we we podcasted on a plane, but we never like played something on a plane. Guitar. No. Wait, that, okay, that's that's for oh. year two. Other than Challenge other than just accepted. buying the seat next to you, I think that's the only way you could have the guitar on the plane. Yeah. And yeah. play it, but that's it does. Also, do. which, it's great for doing doing camping and stuff as well, because you're always short of space in the car for that kind of thing, and it it will go in, you know, even under a seat. It's great. Hmm. I like the surprise element. Ta-da! It's a guitar. No. <laughs> I'll be honest. There is always that point where you put it together and go, "I really hope this isn't the time that it breaks." But they're they're really robust thing. <laughs> I haven't managed to break mine yet, so that's as good. A, I've broken so many stuff. As I say, I'm a real for for the job I do. I'm a real technophobe. So um, yeah, I haven't managed to break mine yet. I am gonna have to check those out. Just for the, the surprise factor. All right. It's got the Andy guitar seal of approval by the sounds of it. <laughs> Did you get any gear this week, Dan? Uh, nope, but I rediscovered some some old stuff. Because <laughs> you're moving. Why are you laughing? That's as good a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing. You know, I'm I'm moving too. So, and you know, since my mom's passing, I got to clean her house too. So, you I occasionally find some guitars there. <laughs> Happens to all of us. Yes. And uh actually I picked up my old uh <clears throat> Music Man Petrucci guitar that I played for a while cuz it's got a piezo in it. Oh. And uh that was pretty cool because the neck shape is so different to any other guitar. And um so I rediscovered that. I played it for a while when Ibanez didn't have any kind of piezo guitars, piezo crypt guitars. And as a top 40 musician, you had to switch quickly between acoustic sounds and heavy leads and stuff like that. So for a while, uh, 
since there was no no alternative with the right brand on the headstock, I went for that guitar, and uh, it's hands down one of the nicest guitars out there. It still is, plays incredibly well. And uh, yeah, so I rediscovered that one. And um, well, frankly speaking, I saw some of the 2021 news for Ibanez this week as well. So that sparked my gas level to 200 already. But I gotta keep my mouth shut. Right <laughs> I thought we were only allowed to mention Ibanez once per podcast because that was twice then. Oh, I'm so sorry. Dan, Dan loses points every time he says the Ibanez. <laughs> we need to say every other brand name uh, twice now as well. And if we miss any yeah. out, we'll... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure we have Pender. We've, we've got Brunswick. Uh, what else? Gibson, Gibson, Epiphone, Epiphone. Uh, <laughs> we should yeah, probably mention... I don't know. Uh, we'll just, we'll just pre-record it and stick it in there somewhere. <laughs> Imagine we said them all. Yeah. Imagine we said them. Or we all. can just random randomly insert brand names, like <laughs> whenever there's that awkward silence for a couple of seconds. <laughs> Framers. <sighs> that actually scared me. Then I'm, I should have put a limiter on my headphones. That was that was. Um... Oh, I, yeah. I, I did have a, a, a thing that arrived this week that is not guitar related, but kind of is. Can I talk right. about that? All right. Go for it. Sure. It's, I'm not sure the name, but it's like the behind the scenes, the book of Back to the Future. Nice. So it's like the book. It's fully uh, official inside. Not only is it, I'm halfway through, and not only is it amazing with amazing, never, never been seen photos. Um, <laughs> there is a sample <laughs> of the Save the Clock Tower flyer with Jennifer's number written on the back. Oh, there is Doc's blueprints for the for the DeLorean. There is, um, you know, those photos that uh, if you like, you used to get the rulers, like it would be a, a picture, and then you move it slightly, and it'd be a different picture. So you could yeah, like move the move almost three D, but it's yeah, just make yeah, it's that. But it's Marty McFly and his brother and sister, and if you move it, they they disappear. Oh, like when wow. he's playing guitar on stage, and he. <laughs> You know his hand line is the picture is in the the three four five headstock, so it is guitar because that's one of the main reasons I play guitar is that movie. But I'm so geeking out over this book, and I I've had to limit myself from reading it. It's it's amazing. That sounds fab. It's my birthday coming up. I will have to uh, mention that to someone on the sly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally worth it. Um, that sounds great and i think it was my birthday last year that um there's a couple of comics out now for back to the future or graphic novels because they are hefty things oh. and it is by bob oh. gale who co-wrote the thing i kind of came up with the original idea um and it's extended stories of the same universe but in graphic <laughs> novel form and it is really cool it, it actually goes into how doc and marty actually met which is always a weird question that's never quite addressed like why would a 17 year old be meeting an old man in a car park at 1am and that'd be fine in the in the <laughs> 80s as well <laughs> but um it was the 80s there's all sorts of things like that well, uh, one slight one, I'm, I'm one guitar related that. one guitar related spoiler for it they met because marty needed some valve transistors for his amplifier so that is actually the reason they came up with and there's a, i won't spoil anything other than that but that's that's actually the reason 
mind blown. Ooh, of course it is. Yeah. No, oh, that was a really yeah. good way of doing it as well. And it's, they, they are actually good if you're into that kind of thing. I got a lot of enjoyment from them. I will absolutely awesome. get that. But yeah, that's my number one uh, reason. I Well, first inspiration for wanting to play guitar as well. Yeah. But I absolutely thought that you um, you jump up and down <laughs> and that's how you play guitar. <laughs> you, you don't you don't have to practice and, yeah. or anything. You just Ooh, jump up and down. Yeah. And I was like six years old, jumping up and down on the sofa. One thing I used to do with an acoustic that we had in the house was I used to cut a little bit of um, cardboard out to give it the cutaways. And I used to always get in trouble for doing that because I wanted it to look like it had the cutaways and I wanted to paint it red. So I painted a little bit of red cardboard on the acoustic to make it look a bit like an electric. <laughs> they didn't. You know, when you're a kid and you know, like a cardboard box is a castle. It was that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, that was, that was really the earliest memory of, of guitar. But I was really, awesome. really lucky to have an older brother that played. If it wasn't for that, I don't know if, it would have been a thing in my mind to even ask for. Um, which I think is the case for a lot of people. Was he into that kind of rock and industrial stuff? Like always, or was that like a, a progress? So he's he's never been into the blues thing. He's big into Paul Weller. Paul Weller is probably right, okay. like his number one. But other than that, it's Sisters of Mercy, Fields of the Nephilim, uh, Nine Inch Nails. It's, it's heavy, heavy. Um, All right. So by the time, you know, I was even five years old or anything, he was fully into all that already. So I never, I don't, mm. I don't know enough about his journey, actually. I'd be interesting to talk to him about. But um, yeah, mm. it was amazing to, I mean, that was how I got introduced to recording and creating music so early on, um, which kept me involved in music instead of, you know, picking up a guitar. Oh, I can't play guitar. So music isn't a thing. That was never the case. I always had other alternatives. Even when I was in um, not doing that, I guess I was having like clarinet lessons and flute lessons at school because I could use my sister's old flute and, and clarinet and things like that. So music was, um, yeah, always at hand in our household. We, have, we had an upright piano in the hallway. So you'd walk past it and see it every day and then you would try and learn something and have a dabble in and at some point I had lessons like when I was about 10 or something um, that making music a thing in the household is so important and um, that that's the blessing for for any kids for sure because otherwise you know they're just going to stay on the iPad or, or become gamers because that's what's in the household otherwise um, and there's some magic moments you know, that, that happen, especially with family as well. Some of my best memories of music are just sing songs around the piano at home. Definitely. <laughs> I always thought music was, was just magic. I thought it was something you could either do or you couldn't do. I just, I never realized that people learned how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because all, all of my, my mother said they could all play something. I was like, okay. This is just magic. You were born and you were given that instrument and that's what you grew up with, you know? <laughs> There's a lyric in Johnny Be Good as well, which is he could play a guitar just like ringing a bell. That always stuck out for me is like, how can that be? How can that even be a sentence? Because that is just not true. It is not as easy as that. Um, and if anybody's thinking that, because, you know, still learning or trying to 
improve and get better. Um, I remember not being able to whistle. And now I can whistle a little bit. And there are certain weird things that I can't whistle. I can't do the cabbie whistle. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. it was a weird... I remember the weirdness of learning to whistle. And now it is effortless. It is like ringing a bell, as Chuck Berry said. And... Um, yeah, anything is learnable, but that doesn't mean to say that it will come easy. Mm-hmm. Just got to keep... And you don't know why it clicks as well. I remember learning Johnny Be Good, actually. I remember the intro just clicking and I could do it. And I couldn't stop playing it after that because I couldn't believe I could do it. But also, <laughs> it's, but I wish I could remember more about it because no one taught it me. I think I did learn it by ear. Because I definitely didn't have it. I don't think I could read tab well enough to play it from tab at the time. So, but I, I wish I'd, I could remember more of exactly the the order of stuff because I do. It does get jumbled up. Because some riffs you've played it's forever and those... something. Yeah. I think those eureka moments uh, that you have during you know, learning an instrument is something that like enthuses you it's like discovering what you can do with just the pentatonic like the first pattern there's a whole universe of music in that i remember my first time uh improvising as well because i was in a band at that point and i absolutely coated my lead guitar in reverb i was it was on the amp as well it was on an old pv amp that i had um so it was just (laughs) it was very bad it was cheap amp so it's really bad reverb but i just wanted to hide all of it but I wanted, I knew I needed to do it, but I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, that was a step that was essential to get further than that, you know. Um, what were some big, you know, playing points or, or points in your guys' kind of playing life? Uh, well, certainly for me was, you just, one memory comes to mind from having you said that was uh, to sort of justify playing an instrument i don't know if it was to my parents or to my school or whatever or to my, it definitely wasn't for myself it was certainly to take it seriously you know rather than just jamming nirvana songs in, in my bedroom uh, i joined the school jazz band because they needed a guitar player um and i remember we were doing something it was in the key of g and i had no music theory knowledge at the time but i remember it was in the key of g so i remember okay i probably need to play a g at this point i played a g and then the the music teacher or director he wasn't the teacher he was a guy that came in he was a you know special dude and he pointed at me and shouted guitar solo and i just remember just thinking okay i've got to play some of these notes up here so i went up the fretboard and just played like slid around as i found one note that i thought sounded didn't you know too, not too bad and then i played that <laughs> note as if my life depended on it <laughs> And then um, <laughs> that works. Then, uh, Hitting one note over and over again—that's totally valid. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but it was—it was a total combination of panic, of of um, euphoria as well, because of, you know I'm doing a guitar solo, M- mostly panic and shame. But yeah, it was—it was kind of fun. But that was needed to kind of make you do it for the first time and break you through that. And even though it's more scary doing it in front of people, you wouldn't have done it had they not, had literally someone not shouted at you, play a guitar solo. Uh, All right, it's like you're getting shouted at by the headmaster, isn't it? It's mad. It it was, but it was my, yeah, you're right. It was very motivating. (laughs) How about you, Dan? uh probably you know i i learned like i started learning the classical guitar and, and bending was never a thing so when picked up when i picked up in my spare time an electric guitar i always like kind of 
bend it with just one finger and it felt like i was you know lifting up the whole universe <laughs> with that one finger and then one guy just told me you know what just use the fingers before that and you know so they increase your strength and help you with that and that was like oh my god it's so easy <laughs> what's <laughs> I was like, what did I do to myself and to my fingers? You know, just, you know, add those two fingers or one finger. And that was, it's yeah, that what, was like a whole universe Paul because Gilbert, now all of a sudden. Paul I Gilbert can... calls that the giant first finger where you have your first ah, yeah, together correct, and bend yeah. it all together. Correct. Correct. And then it, you, you can add vibrato because that was a mystery to me as well. How could you not just lift up that string, but also add some vibrato to it? It's just, but it, yeah, like you said, if you have like one giant finger you can you know you can it's a whole universe that lies right in front it of you. is and i'll be honest until fairly recently i was so unhappy with my vibrato and i was trying to figure out why and it's because i grew up playing loads of indie songs mainly because when i was playing guitar and in bands it was the mid 2000s and there's no vibrato in indie solos at all it just it's just all straight <laughs> you don't move your fingers at all um, so yeah, that's my excuse anyway. But the way I actually teach string bending now is to get the, the student to, to do this, which is like the surfer thing, or I guess like a telephone, but there's uh -huh. the surfer kind of bodacious kind of hand like this. And I'm like, that is how you will do string bending. And all you will do is move your wrist or twist your wrist. Don't move your fingers. Uh -huh. Same for vibrato and, that, and that's, that's the way I teach it now to get that giant finger idea. <laughs> cool i really thought you were so trying to teach with the, the thumb and the i was very confused then so how do you bend with your thumb pinky and that's an example of how difficult it can be to teach over video and why it's so important to teach everything from like three different angles so if you make three videos on exactly the same topic teach is slightly different in each one and people will get one of them. But if you always explain something the same way, you won't get everyone every time. I have taught people in the past. I was not a great teacher. Um, I have the patience, as you said. It's just I, I always believe they'd be better spending their time with someone else. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, and also the, the bending thing that you mentioned, Dan, I didn't learn that for a, a very embarrassingly long time, the, the supporting fingers. Uh, I, I'm talking probably not long before I started my YouTube channel, <laughs> like really definitely <laughs> this side rather than the beginning side. But before then, if I'm right in saying you were kind of acoustic open mic night singer songwriter guy, weren't you? Yeah, I was, I was in covers bands, top 40 bands for, for years, but I was more the singer that played the rhythm and was occasionally allowed a solo, but would always rely on someone else to do the, the difficult parts but therefore it's never your job really to do the string bending it's just not involved no. if you're strumming and keeping the rhythm of the song going and singing as well mm. that's that's your role and string bending doesn't it's not a necessity necessity for your string bending to be a part of that all the all the things that we love from our favorite lead guitar players didn't have to be part of your role and that's why there are very different camps and it's something i've struggled with over the years because i've always wanted to provide like one course from beginning to end or, or from beginner to grade eight for a for a want of a better term and it's really difficult because that's not everyone's goal 
Mm. And also it's, it's been difficult for me to find grade eight songs that I think my audience would actually be interested in learning. Because that's one of the reasons why I didn't get to that level in a wider range of guitar playing because it wasn't interested. I didn't want to play metal or whatever else, you know. It was like the the only the best ones I could convince myself was that the Joe Satriani ones were all right. <laughs> but it really it really <laughs> seemed academic to learn them to me. And for some people that's all they want to play and that is music. But it wasn't to me and that's something that yeah, I've wanted I've always wanted to try and make people progress, but it's not necessarily progress to getting better. It can be getting more out of the same stuff sometimes. Mm. Yep. Mm. I like those videos when um, when someone plays like the easy version of how to play something, and then the more complicated version, then the the real version. <laughs> yes, I think one of those songs that's always escaped me until I watched someone's video was "Brown Eyed Girl" by Van mm -hmm. Morrison. And how I've played that song for years as the front man strumming the, the four chords. And then someone broke it down as to what actually the guitar player in that song is doing and how mm -hmm. complicated and how intricate that is. And yeah, that blew my mind as a player. All the things I was actively ignoring. It's true. And that's an example of, of one of those classic beginner songs that, mm. that goes so much higher level. Um, I don't know his name, but Art of Guitar does that very well. It was. It was. Was him. it him? He, I think he does it it the best him. of what I've seen because he 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 does just teach it like he's the teacher and he's sat in a room in front of you. But he does. I like the fact that it breaks stuff down like that. I've started doing that more. I don't do it to mm -hmm. the nth level like he does sometimes because I do want it to be. I do always give a beginner version that, and then if there is an actual version, I'll do an actual version. For example. Good to know. I'm excited. I want to play guitar right now. And, uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. That's always a good sign. It is. <laughs> and I'm getting free, you know, one to two lessons. It's great. <laughs> Gnarly. <laughs> Everyone's making the bodacious yeah. sign. Now. I like, but see, that's one thing I did. Re I did remember from school that, and one of my teachers said, it was my maths teacher said it. If you do anything physical like this, people remember it and they'll, end up remembering why you said it as well. They remember something about why you said it. If you don't do ah, anything physical yes. at all, people won't remember it in the same way. Love that sort of thing. Agreed. That's interesting. I have a question for Dan. Okay. Have you ever seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Did it sound like a stupid question when I asked you that? No. Okay, because I brought wow. it up at a party uh, on Saturday, a, a socially distanced party, of course. Um, <laughs> and I was talking to a guitarist about Bill and Ted and about the fact that the new Bill and Ted movie will be coming out relatively soon. And he yeah, said, yeah. what is Bill and Ted? And this is a very yeah. good friend of mine who we share a very similar path in music and guitar because we're roughly the same age. We grew up in totally different countries and different backgrounds, but we share so many similarities. And yet he, and then it turns out the whole room had no idea who Bill and Ted were. And I, I just wondered if it was a European thing. It is because I just watched a movie because of your recommendation like a couple of weeks ago. There we are then. Like we, we, we talked, I think we talked about that on the podcast, like several weeks ago. And then we're like, kind of 
like you know discussing about the kind of movies that must see movies and and that was one of the movies you recommended so i picked that on my amazon prime list and from that list and and watch it actually with my mother-in-law <laughs> <laughs> that would have been wow. a very different experience to me watching it when i was like eight with all my friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> Most that is one of those we watched again and again, though. That and Wayne's World. Um, yeah. yeah, Wayne's World is much more like print, like much more known and pronounced. And yeah, in it was Germany, it was a bigger it was a bigger the, thing. Okay. I think because of well, the Queen moment in it. I think the Queen yeah. Bohemian uh, Rhapsody yeah. in the car. I think that made that a bit more of a phenomenon than it would have been otherwise. Yeah. So I, I put them on the same level. For, for as my experience, they're on the same level. But I guess for others, having grown up with Queen, that may have been their first Queen experience. And hmm. ah, I need to reevaluate hmm. my uh, my self history. I have, I have one thing that just came to mind. Um, I believe this is a this is a <laughs> humble brag, but I believe I have the most watched guitar lesson video on YouTube. That video was filmed on a twenty pound webcam. There you go. Which which video is it? I want to I want to check it out later. Uh, play ten songs with two chords. I've seen that video and I've seen uh... it recently. Oh really? And it's, it holds. Yeah, it holds up. Um, I was asked a question. I was asked that exact question, and I thought, well, I'll just YouTube search that. <laughs> and whose whose handsome little face came up? But yours. Do you know that? And uh... twenty four million views. Yeah. Holy cow. And if it wow. wasn't for that video, that I, you probably wouldn't know who I am. It has just been an incredible uh, feed for the channel because it it does as I say mm. in some ways it still stands up. Uh, the biggest comment mm. that I've had from people who've seen it that I've met on real life, they all go, "Why didn't you hoover your rug?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, didn't notice it was dirty. <laughs> Didn't think 24 million people were going to watch it. Yeah. But for context, I actually say at the start of that video, here's what to expect before your first lesson with me. For me, that was me literally saying to people, before you have a lesson with me in Leeds, you know, this is what to expect. I didn't see it going wider than just my local town. Huh, That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I love it. That's cool. And then my know, my best performing video styles. consistently every month is a video that I found, I've recorded on my phone and it's I've taped it to a mic stand and it's overhead and I'm servicing an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And consistently every month it's either number one or number two in my best performing videos. Yeah. So yeah, it's content, isn't it, mate? It, it's absolutely what it is rather than how it's done. Every, I think everything more than the sum of its parts and, you know, a mm. bit of gear or technology doesn't give a be doesn't necessarily give a better result automatically. In fact, it can sometimes make it worse because you can't get the best out of that gear or you're so focused on that, you negate everything else. Agreed. 100%. Yeah, because you also you, fo you you focus too much on that. It's like you know I bought that, so I have to have that 4K yeah. resolution. I have to have like the full yeah. sound experience. Whereas you know that little device, 
can do all of that. It can, but it, it's always been the case. Look at the Beatles recording in Abbey Road. Apparently back then, Abbey Road was kind of seen as like pretty archaic compared to the big flashy um, American studios that perhaps the Rolling Stones were using. Mm -hmm. But the fact, yep. but what uh, the American studios could not replicate the things that they had to do in Abbey Road to get the sound that they wanted and the workarounds that they did. They, that created a sound that you couldn't emulate anywhere else in the world. It's that mm -hmm. kind of thing that, um, yeah, working around restrictions gives you. There is a book called Recording the Beatles, and it's absolutely the. I read it once a year. It's amazing. Right? Um, is it by Jeff somebody? Okay. I can't remember, but it's amazing, and it goes into the detail of um, of what you've just said about the the workarounds they had to use, and um, oh, wow, and the the technique. Uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. I did read one called uh, "Revolution in the Head," which was a bit more of a cataloging of all the Beatles recordings in the uh -huh. order that they were recorded, and it gave it gives at every point some wider context to the the story at large basically just describing how high they were most of the time. <laughs> I, I stand corrected. It's called Here, There and Everywhere, My Life Recording the Music of the Beatles by Jeff Emmerich, uh, who was one of the engineers. Okay. And there is one called Recording of the Beatles, but it's a much, it's in, that's super in depth, but Here, There and Everywhere is more um, story based. Uh, there, there's lots of detail in it, but it's, Again, it's about them getting super high and Ringo waiting around doing nothing, but had to stay there. <laughs> the rule was if, if one of them was there, they all had to be there. That was the rule. They yeah. were the real gang, weren't they? Oh, heck yeah. All right. Added to my Amazon Absolutely. list. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I've got to read. I've got to finish my Back to the Future book first. <laughs> so many un unread <laughs> books. I'm Such sorry nice. I interrupted you, though. What, you, what were you going to ask? Actually, I, I just want to know from you, um, there's that big like modern finger style movement with, you know, tapping on the guitar and all that stuff. Is that something that you kind of approach as well and, and like started like learning for yourself or even teaching? Or is that like a whole different like scene or scenery or also like in terms of style, of course, it is it's completely different. But is that something that, that you gravitated towards or that you even tried to That's learn? That's something that I was very aware of from 2004 because of the guitarist John Gunn who's from Leeds yeah, and he toured yeah. in Huddersfield while I was there at university and we were all floored because I was with about five people all doing music tech. We'd all been recording drums that day and we were like, that guy's just got a better kick drum sound out of his acoustic guitar than I have in our studio at college. And we were like, wow. <laughs> and he's playing guitar at the same time and playing drums and we'd never seen anything like it. Um, and yeah, he had a viral hit on YouTube kind of just before me, uh, the Passion Flower video, uh, which has been in incredible for him. And I have spoken to him uh, all in text form, but he's, he's lovely. And um, yeah, I know exactly how hard that is. And that percussive nature of physically hitting the acoustic guitar isn't something that works well with, with my hands. Um, even though I don't think you have to have, you don't have to be strong. It's kind of like building up calluses, but those kind of, I don't, mm -hmm. I've never got on with that aspect of the acoustic guitar, just how percussive it is. Um, in many ways I have piano keyboard fingers. 
if you don't play piano for two years, it's not going to necessarily hurt playing piano, you know, straight away. Whereas if you haven't strung guitar for two years, it's going to really hurt. If you don't play guitar for like a week or a month or something, it physically hurts. And that's always been like a challenge, I think. So the fact that they physically hit the guitar so much is um, unreal dedication, as is just the finger style, uh, finger being genre in general. It's just phenomenally mm-hmm. hard. There was a, um, a chap on YouTube. What's his name? I can't remember. The Welsh guy. Andy McKee. No, who's the, who's the Welsh teacher that went away, but he's just come back? I'm sorry, I can't remember his bloody name, but um, I'm bad with names anyway. It's no good. But he's, he was away from it because he was like, I just can't put the time in to keep to this standard for every video I release. It's just not what I want to do for a while. So he went away and did a gaming channel instead for a year, but now he's back doing the Fingerstar stuff because there's a massive market for it. It's really in fashion, yeah. but it's the hardest, yeah. in my opinion. Nothing but respect for him. It's like a whole new instrument. Well, it's treating <laughs> it in a totally different way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Andy, have you ever tried that? No, I can yeah. do... I, I have got the knack of like, well, I'd probably call it the John Mayer style like strum tap thing. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that, but you know, I'm, I'm, my finger style stuff is uh, intermediate at best, really. It's not, it's not my... Okay. I'm, I'm no expert in, in it, absolutely. But when I practice and I'm, and I'm trying to in, improve at stuff, that's where I go to, because it improves everything. The chord shapes that mm. it makes you play, um, the attention to the tone, that you're getting with everything, it it improves all aspects mm-hmm. of your playing. I think. I have attempted it. Andy Geek. Andy Geek. Uh, hello, Andy Geek here. <laughs> Andy Geek for Austria. <laughs> um, I have attempted it. I, I'm, when I was, I think, 2009, I was out as a singer-songwriter with a looper pedal mm. and um, an, an Akai headbrush, and it was an absolute pay, a pig, horrible for for actually getting the looping because it was actually a delay pedal, and. Um, uh, I would lay down the drum track first on a loop and then layer over top of that. So I, I, I then realized, then I saw people doing it at the same time and I'm remembering people doing it. So I did try and go down that route. But again, as you said, you've got to stay super on top of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, if I was to, I don't know, it's kind of like driving or you haven't driven. I didn't drive for about three years once and I got back in the car and I was dangerous. You know, it was super dangerous. Was like, Whoa, I remember this and my body, <laughs> but your body needs to remember those me- memory things that your muscle memory. And um, it, you can't technically kill anyone with a guitar, but well, you can, but you have to really try. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's I remember those two experiences. I went back to it thinking oh, I, I could do this, you know, no, absolutely not. And it's incredibly difficult to sing and play any of that style at the same time. Mm. Um, it just makes everything 10 times harder. And around a similar mm. point with driving, I, I tried to drive an automatic when I was in America in January. And I <laughs> couldn't drive <laughs> the car we had at all. Um, thankfully, my girlfriend could and she was absolutely fine. But we tried it on basically a a, you know, a bit of road where there was no traffic at all. And she was like, come on, if you're going to drive in America, now is your opportunity. And she was like, after about <laughs> 10 minutes of it, we went, right, we're both getting neck ache here. This is because I just couldn't get the biting point right without a clutch. 
but technically right. it should be yeah. easier to drive an automatic right but not me all yeah. because of you know the the muscle memory that that we've acquired over the years and but when it comes to the guitar that muscle memory is like millimeters millimeters mm. and mm. all the touch and feel of it and the the instinct that you develop um it's all instinct really that's why it ends up being easy when you can do it because it's easier to do it and not think about it and just be totally on instinct than it is to have to read a chord sheet or a reading tab at the same time um but yeah that's just an example i wish i'd seen that you didn't miss anything honestly it was ridiculous is that that results in those sudden stops whenever yeah you... exactly go stop go stop go stop. honestly that's yeah. exactly what it was like the car rocking backwards and forwards and then i get a, the and then i'd get a little bit better and then do the same thing oh, again and yeah. it'd be like no and you know when, when we were talking earlier about what makes me annoyed yeah that someone else can ah, now we've got it yeah now we got it yes when, <laughs> when it is nothing that but your own ineptitude holding you back but there's nothing you can do about it yeah that. <laughs> i suck and i'm not okay with that <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have learned that life's a lot easier if you just learn to deal with the fact that you sometimes suck at something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think so, I think that's something we all have to face up to with a lot of things, and I think some people find that incredibly difficult. I do. I, I do personally, but it's something I'm embracing or trying to. <laughs> mm. But we don't we don't suck at everything, Dan, because uh, some people like our podcast. How's that for a segue? <laughs> Seamless. Mm, loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we have a review from a, a listener. Hello, listeners. Yeah, you're here as well. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Uh, this uh, listener is RT Smudge, and he left us a review on iTunes. Uh, I'll do the honor of reading it, if I may, gentlemen. Oh, yeah, please. Are you ready, Dan? Because it is quite complimentary. It's a five-star review, firstly. Five stars. Thank you very much. And he says, guitar stories to thrill and amaze. My goodness. <laughs> but then he goes downhill a little bit. Because he says, absolutely <laughs> one of my favorite regular podcasts. Artie Smudge, what's that all about? That is backhanded. One of your favorite. <laughs> Subtly backhanded <laughs> compliment. I love it. Absolutely yeah. love I mean, it. it. We're probably a a solid like fourth in his list you know like, absolutely one of my favorite yeah. <laughs> regular podcasts informative <laughs> engaging and with great chats with fantastic guests from the guitar industry that's you andy <laughs> andy and dan that's me again are fantastic presenters always fun to listen to and interesting until the end of each episode yes oh if you are making all the way through the episode. if you are a guitarist <laughs> or a fan of guitars then give this podcast a try hey if you don't like guitars then listen anyway and you soon will totally nailed it at the end Artie smudge you nailed it you, you disappointed at the beginning but you brought it way back high above my expectations <laughs> loved it thanks so much and that would be uh, he'd probably <laughs> comment after this going actually after episode 12 i retract all my statement it it was it wasn't that good but i'm going to rescue that from now that's not going to happen because this is episode 12 right correct yeah i said before we started this podcast that i have a guitar thing with 12 um my second 
well, no, my first ever valve amplifier, first ever valve amplifier was a Fender Blues Junior. Do you know the interesting thing about Fender Blues Juniors? I'm not going to no. guess it. I'm going to let you give us the information. They go up to 12. They don't go to 11. Go to 12. They go up to 12. <laughs> every, every dial on it, every control goes to 12. Not 11, 12. Why? 12's one louder. Why didn't they just go to 11 <laughs> and make 11 the loudest? But this one's one louder. <laughs> I have a Honey Boy amp, big up Honey Boy amps from Scotland, and his amp also goes to 12. So I was good. On I it. didn't want to ruin it by guessing, but yeah. Um, I blew the mind of, uh, oh, I'm embarrassing myself now. Uh, oh, uh, Jen Majura and Alan. Alan, Dan, help me out. Brentini. Thank you. Alan Brentini. Sorry, Alan. I know you're listening. Um, their band, their project was called Something on Eleven because they thought that was at the Spinal Tap. And it actually, I saw them lose the spirit when they saw that my amp went to 12. <laughs> And um, they got really disappointed in their, their whole great idea of having a, a band name. Yeah, sorry. sorry, Alan. Yeah. Poor guys, poor guys. Oh, man. So do you, still, do you still have that Fender? No, I sold it. And the reason I got rid of it was I was just using it for gigging at the time. And it wasn't doing what I needed. It wasn't... Um, it was neither a pedal platform, nor, nor was it given any bite in, in the way that I wanted at the time. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I also wanted something big. Me and the bass player did this thing where I got a slightly bigger amp, so he got a much bigger amp, so I had to get a much bigger amp. And it was basically a competition of who could put their back out first. No. It was just, it was just <laughs> the, the bigger the amps got, the worse the load-ins got. And this was just in a wedding. Band. I, I was a Could wedding. Could you take us through a list of where you know where was the blues? The blues unit was at the beginning. Yeah. Where did where did you end up, and how did you get there? Through which amps did you did you journey? Um. So I got there was a slightly Marshall did these slightly smaller cabs, which I always thought was a great idea, but it was still a four by twelve. But it, mm -hmm. I think it was an, a, called an AVT or something. So it was, they were just like mm -hmm. a bit like the M, MG range, MG series. The MG just, is the, the Valve Estate. But yeah. They were just slightly smaller, but still. So I started off there and had that with the Jewel Terror. Then he got, he did the sensible thing actually, because with bass amps, you can stack them, but you can stack many, but they're actually smaller than, a lot smaller than a 4x12. Um, so he got a couple of those. So then I got. Uh, a full four by twelve, and I never went bigger than that because I did see, yeah, he's, he's, you go a bit Jack Black school of rock otherwise, where you're literally <laughs> you're literally playing the corner of a small dance floor, in a city centre pub, and you've got a full stack. It's a, not a great look. <laughs> I have to agree with you. It's it's not the dream. It's not. Well, everyone's everyone has downsized now. I've, I've actually seen a few gigs in the last year where the guitar hamp has, has been a Kemper. And they, they haven't even had, you know, dummy cabs on stage or, or cabs for show. They've literally just had the lunchbox at the back of the stage. Um, and of course, most of the time, if you're playing 
anywhere with lights all you all you're actually seeing is flashing lights anyway so it didn't make a blind bit of difference um absolutely true but there is a weird thing in in those smaller venues so the venue i'm actually talking about is concord 2 and there's a couple of other similar size venues in in brighton 300 400 capacity but if you write down the front mm -hmm. there, there's a gap so that's where you absolutely you would get plummeted by guitar amp too loud so that wouldn't be a solution but there's a weird thing where the pa is at the side of the stage the monitors are facing the other way so there's a bit of a gap in the middle so um often down the front can actually be the quietest bit other than just getting plummeted by if they've got subs there like all you hear are subs <laughs> um o2 academy venues tend to be pretty good with little fills down the front of the stage big uh arenas do that kind of thing as well but at some level sometimes that gets missed um so that's where i was i was missing the guitar at points but yeah i'm glad that started to be welcomed because it is makes it sound better hmm. i went from having a 100 watt marshall jcm 900 series with a 1 4 by 12 to a line 6 pod xt yeah the pods from back in the day and uh yeah that was a, that was an experience change certainly it's nice Sounded to be able to, to the pod it's nice to be <laughs> nice to be able to <laughs> guarantee did, I, had the marshall, I had the marshall on one yeah it was do you remember solid state good, but... well so solid state amps that were like the affordable option but still big especially back 20 years ago I would be. I had a couple, and I remember being able to get the sound that I liked at lower volumes. And the more I turned it up, the worse it got. Yeah, yeah. PV banded kind of style. Yeah. The banded. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that actually was a great, great like rehearsing amp, or, or just in your bedroom. That was great. But like you said, the more you cranked it up, it just gets worse. It's, it's the weirdest it just, thing. Just yeah, it, fuzzy and mm, yeah. Oh, oh. Um, so it's actually that thing. became part of my sound. You know, cranking up a crap amp. And it would, it would <laughs> but that, get closer to what I thought I wanted. But that brings to another thing where there are things that, like the Blues Junior that I mentioned earlier, is a great amp, but I was putting a Les Paul through it and not playing the, the, the thing that it did well. And you've, mm. you've got to, with whatever gear you have, you've got to learn to get the, the best out of it and, and work with it rather than against it. Don't try and make it something that it isn't. I keep getting people messaging me like, how can I get a good ACDC type guitar sound with my Telecaster and whatever amp? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, you, if you can play it right, you, you can get close. But also there's a reason I bought an SG, which is behind me, because you plug it in, you play an A chord and it is done. That's my jam. Absolutely. It's weird. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my new SG, but I'll just mention it just in Go case it's listening. Hello. I'm just talking to it rather than <laughs> rather than about it. I realize I haven't played it today. <clears throat> That's enough about that. All right. Gentlemen, I think I have reached the end of my journey today. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Uh, it's been really fun. It, it's been a, a, a again, it's been a journey. I didn't expect to go um, so deep and so so um involved you know i don't know where today was going to go with you andy and i'm really glad that you had the time to spare for us i really appreciate that hey no worries thank you for having me on and uh yeah i'm glad we could uh 
chat, especially now that I'm moving as well. It feels it feels great to have. Uh, as I say, I'll always remember when we filmed this because it was when I moved house. So yeah, memories forever. Oh. Oh. I'm going to take a, a quick screenshot of the, of the Zoom thing. Smile. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I can't coordinate a hand movement and shooting on a Mac at the same time. That's all good. Uh, by the way, some great news: Zoom enjoyed our chat so much that it didn't in include the forty-minute limit. Awesome. It, it, it sent me a little message and said, "We thought we'd give you unlimited time because we love you." I saw. Oh. Yeah, uh, there you go. I mean, how how much have um, Skype missed their opportunity? Because like everybody's now like, uh, shall we Skype later today? Yeah, what's the Zoom link? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Even we on. have gone over to Zoom. Even we. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of reminds me of I don't know, certain guitar company doing nice things and another certain guitar company doing not so nice things. Yeah. Very true. Well, Andy, all the best. Andy Guitar, all the best for moving to the new house. I hope we can follow up with a a second episode with you later at some point when we get more stories to tell and uh, can see you know where your journey, your musical journey took you with then maybe 50 million views on your <laughs> two chord videos. Well, no, thank, thank you very much, as I say, for inviting me. I'm looking forward to doing it again. And uh, yeah, I'm not going too far. I'm still, still in Brighton, but... Um... Yeah, I'm looking forward to the move for sure. But, uh, yeah, we will catch up again. And folks, check out uh, Andy's signature guitar, Brunswick. Uh, what was your website again? I forgot what your website is, Andy. Uh, something... www.andyguitar. <laughs> Google Andy Guitar, you'll find me. I don't know. I, right. By the way, I don't know how I've coined that because, I mean, you're Andy Guitar Geek. And yes. there are the there were other Andy guitar. I mean, it used to be Andy McKee who always used to come up if you search for Andy guitar. But somehow that is now me. So that was and again the Andy guitar thing absolutely came from I thought it would just be in Leeds and I wanted people to know my name, and I knew no one would remember my last name. <laughs> right, so it's, it's genius. It's it with hindsight, you know what a wonderful thing. But yeah, look forward to catching up again, gents. Thank you for having me. Good luck with the overdrive pedal. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know which name you chose. What was it called? The, a a the ACGT, wasn't it? The ACGT. <laughs> what was the best one you came up with? Uh, I quite like the AC Crow. Or my first overdrive, but you have to paint it like a, a Fisher-Price kit set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, what about overdrive for dummies? <gasps> oh, I like that. Yeah, it's a bit derogatory, though, isn't it? It's a bit implying. Yeah. It sounds like a bass pedal to it me. Probably. <laughs> oh, we went there. oh, did it really take us over an hour to come up with our first bass player joke? Oh. sorry, bassists. Oh. I, it came out. We were so I didn't close. You get the feel to that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Damn, I just lost like four subscribers. <laughs> yep. Imme immediately. To doom. I'll call it the Andy. The, the, Please call it the Andy. Well, I was gonna uh, the Andy. Yeah, probably. I was gonna say the uh, the average IQ has just gone up from losing those four. <laughs> you can't get be any better than that. So let's call it a day, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Andy Guitar. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye, bye. Bye, bye, everybody.